Find yourself a seat. Everybody settle in. Um, I wanted to explain a little bit more about summer hangs and uh, what those are. So when we relaunched NOIA, we wanted to make sure that we're creating a place where people can find community. And uh, community is built not overnight. It takes a long time and a lot of effort to do it. And you not only have to ask God that he would send you the community that you're looking for, but you also have to be the community that you're asking God to send you. And uh, we have to model that to each other and say, okay, I will show up. I will put in the effort. And so what we're going to do this summer is we're going to do this thing called Summer Hangs. We did a couple years ago. Basically, it's just events that we're going to do and you can sign up for. So here's the list of things that we're going to be doing this summer. We're going to uh, have a summer pizza party at a park. We're going to hit the Manitou Springs Incline for anyone who's interested. That will be very early in the day. So um, it's one of those things where everyone signs up and like three people show up because they forgot to wake up. Um, but then we'll do uh, dinner at Bird Call, take over that restaurant. We'll have a 4th of July barbecue. And uh, ladies, there are two brunches just for the ladies. Uh, limit. <laughs> Limited capacity, so if that's something you want to do, you definitely want to sign up uh, for one of those. There's one in July, one in August. We're also going to go to Josh and John's, and Josh is going to be there. That's part of the thing. And then um, uh, in August, we're going to do a Super Smash Brothers tournament, if, anybody <laughs> if anybody's into that. Also, we're going to need a few of you to bring your switches um, so that we can pull that off. So if, if you could bring your console, let us know. Um, I plan on being at that one. And then uh, another brunch, like I said, and then a Spruce Mountain hike. Uh, that, one's, that one's like beginner level. So if you're like, I want to do a hike, but I don't want to do you know, 300,000 steps on the Manitou Incline, this one's for you. It's, it's much easier. Uh, and that one will be not as early also in the morning. Then we'll have dinner at In-N-Out. So here's how it's going to work. Um, at the end of the service, if you want to sign up, there's going to be multiple ways you can do that. One, you can go back to the welcome table. We'll have the QR code for each month, June, July, August. And then you can just pick the ones you want to attend. Give us your information. And then that puts you on an email list specific to the events you signed up for so that a couple days before you get all the details. Here's the address. Here's the exact time. We'll see you here. Um, all that will happen. So you can get the QR code in the back on the welcome table. Or you can check if you're on our email list, which you all should be. Um, be on the email list. That's my plug. Uh, and then we'll send that out tomorrow morning also on the email list. And then you can also follow it. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram, there's a link tree on our profile. Just click that and you can sign up there. Okay. So that is the plan. I want to make sure everyone knows it because we're not meeting back here on a Tuesday night until June 13th. So the first one happens before we're even back here on a Tuesday. So please don't just leave me and Josh having pizza in a park, just us. Please come. Sign up for that one, especially so that it's not just us. Um, yeah, and then sign up for as many as you want to do. You could do all of them, and there's no prize, but there should be. Someone should have come up with that idea before right now. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sign up for as many as you want, um, and we're going to have a great summer. Summer in Colorado Springs. No better place to be, guys. It's an amazing summer city, so I hope you can join us for all that. Okay, now to our message for tonight as we close out the series, Holiness in Humanity. Um, you know, when I, when I moved uh, to the United States, I, I grew up in Mexico, and then I went to the United States for undergrad. So I spent my whole life in Mexico. And I remember when my parents dropped me off, we drove from Mexico City, drove all the way to Virginia, 
and uh, it was like a, it's like a four-day drive. It's not measured in hours anymore. It's just like a few days. And then we got there, and I remember that feeling of uh, my parents dropping me off. And the way it worked out for me is we did freshman orientation. So they dropped me off, and then my brother was going to get married after freshman orientation in Florida. So I said goodbye to my parents, but then I knew I was going to see them again like in a week. So it wasn't really the goodbye. Um, and then I did freshman orientation, which is basically like, you know, Christian summer camp for all the freshmen, like the first week of school. And it was super fun. And then we, me and my sister drove down to, uh, to Florida to my brother's wedding. And it was after my brother got married that that was like the true, like, okay, goodbye, mom and dad for me. And I remember being like hit with a, cr- like an, an amount of sadness that I just had not experienced yet in life. Like that moment of like, okay, like, here we go. Like, big change. Um, I'm no, no longer in that house. I'm starting something on my own. And uh, it, it almost felt like a funeral of sorts. Like I was, I was like grieving that. And as we're headed out, like the, we did the wedding, the reception, and then the next day we had to head back to school so that I could be there for the first day of classes on a Monday. So I'm driving back from Florida to Virginia on Sunday morning. And that was the moment when I said goodbye to my parents. And I knew I wasn't going to see them for like, you know, I don't know, six months or a year, and then, um, and then my mom is the kind of mom that, like, cannot talk during goodbyes. I don't know who, who has moms like that, where it's like, she tries to say something, but it's just like, nothing's going to come out except for tears, so she was like, I love you, like, that was all she could get out, and then she gave me a hug, and then she handed me this letter, and then I, I got in the car, and I drove off with my sister, and I remember driving from Florida to Virginia, and uh, opening that letter, like, my mom had said goodbye, and then in this letter, which is a letter I still have, um, because I have, I have a wonderful mother. Like, my mom is, is a big supporter of everything I've done in life. She's always been there for me. I've gotten to do ministry things with my mom. I have a great relationship with my mom. And so that's the grieving of, like, leaving my mom, my dad. And, um, and she wrote me this letter, and I remember reading it and feeling like it was such a significant moment for me because she was basically saying, Eddie— like, I've poured into you, I've taught you, I've given you everything I can give you, now it's your time to give elsewhere, like, it's time for you to do that, and, um, and it was like a farewell, but also a, um, like, here's how you're going to make it, and an encouragement in that direction, and what we're studying here tonight is straight out of John chapter 14, it's, it's like that letter from my mom, this is Jesus now in the final days with his own disciples, the people he had spent three years pouring into them. And he, this, this whole section of the book of John is known as the farewell discourse. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm actually not going to be with you guys anymore the way that I've been with you. There's going to be a change here, but I want you to hear my heart. And, and I want you to hear that I'm not just like leaving you or forsaking you. I am going to be with you, but here's what's about to happen. And that's when he introduces his own disciples to the Holy Spirit, and who the Holy Spirit's going to be, and what He's going to do, and this is why it's such a such an important passage because it's not just information; it's it's coming straight from Jesus as He says farewell to His disciples. I mean, He's only days away from dying on the cross, and He tells them how they're going to be able to continue life in the kingdom. Jesus is the one teaching them, "Hey, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this." And now I'm going to leave. How are you going to continue? The answer is the Holy Spirit. 
And it's one of my favorite passages about the Holy Spirit is John chapter 14. It's actually one of the main reasons why I picked to do this series, Holiness in Humanity, because I think there's a gap between understanding what God is calling you to be as a Christian and then the means for you to be that. And the gap is filled by the Holy Spirit. God's not pushing you into a space where you just can't do anything and you're just going to fail. He's pushing you into a place where you will believe in him and then you will find the provision in him. And the disciples and in effect us are introduced here in this passage to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're talking about here tonight. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But let me pray for us as we dive in. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this series. Thank you for the ways that you've uh, taught us, the way you've instructed us, and the way um, our lives are being molded because of the, the guidance that we find in the scriptures and the way that your spirit has already led us. So Lord, I pray that tonight would be no different, that as we close this series, we would know we walk into what's next, um, knowing that we are empowered by the spirit. And so for those who are with us here tonight that maybe won't be with us this summer, God, I just pray a blessing over them, and I pray that they would walk away with the same message, just like Jesus gives to his disciples. I pray that this message would, would hit our hearts in the same way here tonight. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. Um, so this, this idea of the Holy Spirit um, tends to be something that, depending on what context you grew up in, in church or outside of church, it could be something newer to you, it could also be something you've heard, but um, it's weirded you out before, it sounds like a strange topic, um, but that's where I'm trying to root us in exactly how Jesus introduces it to the disciples, because I think that's the best way of understanding what we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. So we have to start here, you can't live the Christian life without the work of the Holy Spirit. I know that, that might sound like really strong language, but I really believe this because I'm saying you can try to live the Christian life, but I'm saying you can't actually do it without the work of the Holy Spirit. This is something that God gives to us, and it's, it's a necessity. It's not a bonus. It's not something, oh, if you figure out what's going on with the Holy Spirit, it's going to go better for you. It's, it's actually, I think, the only way to live the Christian life is what the scriptures provide for us. So it's, it's a really, really important topic. Um, earlier today, my phone died because last night when I put it on the charger, it didn't charge. Is that, is that just me or does that happen to anyone else like occasionally maybe? I have some friends that like their whole life, it's like they live with the phone that's at 2% like forever. And I don't know how they do it, like, but it stays at 2%. So maybe that's you. I, I like charging my phone and, and today... It, it like died in the middle of the day, and it was crazy. It was actually a little scary to be like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, I, like, my calendar's on there. I am a person who lives by his calendar, and, and everyone's like, how do you remember all this stuff? I'm like, I don't. I just write it all down in my phone, and that's how I know what to do and when to do it. And so I was kind of like, man, it's so weird that I, I don't have a phone for the next couple hours until I can get home to charge it, and, and it's, it's kind of like that, like you can't view this topic as something bonus or something extra, this is something that's going to guide you. I lost my calendar, my, my compass for a few hours and felt it, and that's what you guys need to be feeling when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your guide, He's your compass, and, and we're going to get into exactly what it is that He does for us, but on the topic of the Holy Spirit, I think it's really interesting that many times we talk about the Holy Spirit as if 
some people are overemphasizing it, him or, or underemphasizing it. And th- it's interesting to me because like we would never say that about the father or the son. Like who, who would ever say you're just you're like you're just too into Jesus. That's your problem. Like you're too much about loving God. Like that's we would never use that terminology. For some reason in the Holy Spirit territory, we think you're just too much about the Holy Spirit is what's going on. Well, I would suggest to you guys, I don't think that's what's actually happening. I don't think you can overemphasize God. I don't, I don't think that's possible. I think the more of the Holy Spirit you have, the better in line with the kingdom you, you, you end up. But um, what I think is happening is I think things are happening in the name of the Holy Spirit that aren't of the Holy Spirit. So what I want for us is I want everything the Holy Spirit has to offer us. Um, and I want us to, to start in the scriptures and see what it is that God has said to us. And I want all of that. I personally want all of that. And I want you to have all of that. This idea of too far really comes from not necessarily following the other boundaries, the other parts of the scripture that were handed. If you view it as just like a one kind of sided coin, then you end up in some weird places. But it's, it's not hard to stay within the bounds of what the scriptures teach. And so we want to get to the place where we're actually seeking this. And I think because of some weird stuff that does happen occasionally, we, we've now, re, you know, responded by saying, well, then I don't know if I want to go in that direction. I don't, I don't know if I'm interested in the topic of the Holy Spirit because of this story or that story. And my hope for us tonight is, is this, that you, you would see that you can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. So it's not something that we can view as optional. It's something we each have to lean in on and... And I want you to have all that. And if, if it's God, it's going to bring God things to us, okay? If, if God is doing it, if we're experiencing his presence, it's going to lead to all those things. And in the same way that not everyone who claims to follow Jesus is following Jesus, that's, that's the way that it is. Not just because someone says they follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that they do. Um, but in the same way, just because someone says it's, it's, they're following the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit is guiding it, that doesn't mean it is the Holy Spirit. It might be. But that's why we have to test them. This is why the topic of wisdom, the topic of, you know, the church being how we also look into the scriptures. Like we don't just do this isolated thing. We do this as a family together. And, um, and those are all the other things that the scriptures talk about. So that's our approach as we get to this passage. And Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to us on his terms so that we know we're in the right place. All right, John chapter 14. If you're ready for me to jump in, say, let's go. All right, everyone just woke up. Thank you. That's why I do that. All right, here we go. Verse 15, it says this. This is Jesus talking. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The next few words in the next verse say, the spirit of truth. So he's sending this new advocate. Now, I want you to start by seeing that He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The first thing Jesus does is he makes a connection between loving God and keeping his commands. And then what he does right after that verse is he's making a connection with the first thought to, and he's going to send you the Holy Spirit. So those things go together is what Jesus is presenting to us. The the first point that he's making is that the Holy Spirit empowers obedience. The Holy Spirit empowers obedience. Who is this Holy Spirit that Jesus is is going to ask the Father to send? The Father is going to send it to us. Who is he? What does he do? Well, he is the one who empowers 
obedience. And this is such an important topic when it comes to living the Christian life. Jesus is connecting the idea of loving him with obeying him. Okay, and that's not a threat. He's not saying, like, if you love me, like, do what I say. It's, it's what he's saying is, when you love me, obedience flows out of that love. He's describing what loving God looks like. And this is an unpopular version of Jesus to what we would like to have in this world today. People love the idea of, like, Jesus is, he's a good guy. Like, he has all these good things to say. It's like, I love that guy. Well, do you know what he commanded? And if you don't, well, then you don't really love the guy. You like the idea of Jesus, but you don't love Jesus because Jesus himself said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. You're going to do the things that I said you're supposed to do because that's what flows out of love for God. And so he's not threatening us. He's just identifying what loving God looks like. It's, it's kind of like his love language. You know, you've heard that like people have you know, acts of service or words of affirmation, like everyone has a way that they know that they're loved by a different person. It's like God saying, my, my love language is obedience. Like this is, when you love me, this is what happens. You, you follow what I've said. And when that's the call, that's the standard, maybe I'm the only one in the room, but I feel this like weight to it because I'm like, well, I'm not always good at obeying God. I n- I'm not perfectly following all the things he said. So then where, like, where does my love for God fit into that? And that's why this point is so important that the Holy Spirit empowers obedience. I'll say it this way. God sets the high standard. He's the one who does that. He's the holy, perfect God, and he sets the high standard, but he's also the provision. God sets the high standard, and God is our provision to meet that standard. He is not an evil God up in heaven being like, oh, here's this insanely high standard and good luck. Like, it's like, you got to jump this high and I know they can't jump that high and I'm just going to laugh at them. That's not God. He sets the holy standard, the high standard because of his character, because of who he is. But then he becomes our provision to meet that standard. So so think about it. Like with Jesus, you know, as far as having a relationship with God, he says, you cannot have a relationship with me because you sinned. So that's all of us. So we cannot have a relationship with God. That's a high standard. He's saying the standard is perfection. You cannot have anything wrong. You cannot do anything wrong. That's my high standard. But then he says, but I will send my own son so that you can meet that standard. So that if you believe in my son, he's the provision. And if you believe in Jesus, then now I will look at Jesus. And that's the righteousness I see. I see the righteousness of Jesus instead of your own actions, your your shortcomings. God sets the high standard, and he's the provision. And in the same way he does that with Jesus, he does that with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you can't love me unless you obey. That's a high standard, but the way you obey God is only through the Holy Spirit. That's why this is so important, because so many of us, especially if you lean more on the side of like a doer and like high-performance mentality, you're going to look, you can easily look at Christianity as just a do thing. Like, I just got to do all the right things. And what God is saying is actually, you will not be able to do all the right things. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to lean into what the Holy Spirit does because that's how you get to this obedience. He connects loving him, obeying him. And that's why I'm going to ask the Father to send. And he uses the word advocate, which we'll get to here in a bit, what exactly he's getting at. But the Holy Spirit is our provision for obedience. And the Holy Spirit is willing and ready 
to help us. That's what verse 16 says. He says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. To help you, um, again, a term we could use to diminish it. I want you to think about that help as like really, um, like when someone partners with you, when someone's near to you and offers help when you really need it, that's what he's getting at. Um, it's, it's not something, it's not some small role that the Holy Spirit holds. He is, he is our help. And he's, he's sent by the Father to help, and he's going to do that. But are we ready to receive that help? That's really the question for us here today. I, I, I find many times God is already willing to be my answer, but I'm not ready to ask. I'm not ready to receive it. And so if we're going to grow in, in really entering into the place where the Holy Spirit empowers our obedience, we have to understand what are the things that he does to help us? How does the Holy Spirit help us? Here, let me just share a few things. There's not, this is obviously not exhaustive. There's a ton of things that the Holy Spirit helps us with. But I want to share a few um, that come out of this passage that I see. Um, and then also from different scriptures. This is just kind of a summary of three things. First thing is the Holy Spirit helps you because he never walks away. He says it right there in verse 16. He'll help you and he'll be with you forever. This is one of, the, one of the biggest ways that the Holy Spirit helps me is I've been through highs and lows like you have. And I've also been through betrayal. I've been through people walking away, having no more interest in being with me, being my friend, being my community. I've had all those things happen like many of us have experienced. But the thing that, the, that has happened in all that is I've always sensed the presence of God near. No matter what happens, I know that I can hold on to. It might be hard to listen sometimes. It might feel like he's quiet. It might feel like I don't understand what he's up to. But I've never doubted that he's with me. And that is one of the main helps that the Holy Spirit has. See, some of you, you've had, you've had moments in your life where you, someone should have cared for you. Someone should have been there for you, and they weren't. And so you can so easily fall into this trap of protecting yourself from basically never really connecting or finding someone who can care for you again because you're nervous that they're going to do the same thing that the previous person did to you. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps you is he's the one who never leaves you. And when you can learn to trust him, then you can get a sense of like, actually, I can take some risk with some relationship because no matter what happens, even if it goes south, I know the Holy Spirit's never going to leave me. He will never walk away. And that's one of the ways that he helps us. Second way is he doesn't let us ignore the wrong we've done. And this is actually a help. Sometimes it feels a little annoying. Sometimes it's a little frustrating. It might not feel like a help, but it really is a help. This is one of the things the Holy Spirit does. We, we like when we do things that are wrong, when we hurt someone else, we do everything to find ways to do nothing else about it. Like we will find people who agree with our opinion. We will surround ourselves with everything that we can so that we don't have to do anything about the thing that was wrong that we know we did. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps you is he brings those things to mind. And you know, like when you keep recalling it in your mind, that's, that's the Holy Spirit saying, you need to do something about this. You can't just let this sit. You know you did something. And maybe you can't solve everything that went down between you and the other person, but you can own what you did. You can own your peace, and you can make it right in the ways that you can make it right. And, um, and that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps. I can tell you, 
you know, there have been times where something happened, I said something, and I was like, I don't know, maybe that was not kind, maybe that wasn't something I should have said, and then in my, in my own mind, I'm like, oh, it's fine, like, it, you know, it was just like a passing comment, no big deal, and then like the next day, I keep thinking about it, that's the Holy Spirit, like, he, he's helping me, he's saying, no, do something about it, like, own that, call that person, text that person, do your part, because he's helping me not ignore the wrong that I've done. Another way that the Holy Spirit helps us is he helps us see things clearly. Man, when you, um, when you let sin enter your life, you are doing the things that God has said, hey, don't do this because it's going to hurt you. Then we still like enter into it and the scriptures are clear. Like even after we believe in Jesus, even after we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make us perfect instantly. We're like a child that's born. It's fully human and, and it holds all human traits, but it's going to grow in those human traits over time. So a baby does not make decisions the way an adult makes decisions. A baby doesn't speak the way an adult speaks. All these things happen over time in the same way. We've been born, we've been adopted and, and born again into the family of God, but it, it takes time for us to exhibit all the characteristics of what it means to be a child of God. And so as those things take time, we're going to um, sin and we're going to fall. We're not going to do things perfectly. And when you do that, you stop seeing things the way that they truly are. We can so easily confuse ourselves as to what's real and then what we think is real. And that's the danger about sin is when you enter in that direction and you say, okay, well, I mean, yeah, this is wrong, but like at some point I'll just change my mind and I'll go the other way. It's like, oh my gosh, that is like one of the worst plans ever. Because once sin has a hold of you, it starts affecting the way you see things. Like you start seeing things with blurred vision. Um, your heart starts to get callous, like as the more you go in that direction. And this is why the Holy Spirit wants to pull you away from that direction so that you can see things clearly. And so that way, like sometimes you, you, you go through the things that you've chosen, like the sin, and he says, Here, here's what's actually happening. You are sinning against God first. And then also your, your sin is also destroying all these other areas of your life. And you can only see that clearly through the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you don't have the Holy Spirit and you're not opening yourself to the work of the Spirit, you just continue to stay in human opinion and you need to get brought into divine opinion, like the guidance of God himself. And, and that's like with the things we choose, but it's also clear, clarity for, for the things we don't choose. Like when we have to walk through grief and loss and, and, and pain, suffering that doesn't have to do with the things we've chosen. It's just part of what it means to be a part of this broken world when we walk through those things you will see it totally different because of the help of the Holy Spirit. You will have a completely different perspective than if you didn't have the Holy Spirit guiding you. That's why our prayer has to be like, Holy Spirit, please help me right now. And, and instead of thinking of it as I'll pray later, I, I would just commend this to you guys. Whenever you are going through something, whatever in that moment, pray and ask because he's telling us right here, he's sent by the Father to help us. So he's already willing. The answer is yes, I'm here to help. Yes, I'm here to be with you. Um, but are we asking? Are we being willing to ask and to receive that? Because he's the one who's going to empower our obedience. And then the second thing you'll see in the passage is that the Holy Spirit continues the work of Jesus. Let's jump back in again. I'll read 16 and then I'll continue. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him. 
nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. That's Jesus talking about his physical body. Like they're not going to see me, Jesus, on earth anymore, but you will see me. Why is Jesus saying that? Well, wait, we're not going to see you. We're going to see why, because the Holy Spirit's going to continue the work of Jesus. You're going to see me in that way, that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're still going to see me. I'm still going to be with you, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus tells us, and he makes the connection for us of how the Holy Spirit is going to continue the work that Jesus had already been doing with his disciples. Um, When he says that he's going to send an advocate, that's the word uh, paraclete in the Greek, and it's, it's one of the coolest words in the New Testament for this reason, because um, when when they translate that word, you're going to see different translations. Like if you go to different versions of the Bible, you're going to see the word like advocate, as we see here in the NIV. You'll also see the word counselor. You might see the word helper or companion. And the reason I think this word is so cool is, one, it, it's, it's hard to translate, and I think that's on purpose. It's hard to translate because if you translate into the English, you kind of have to pick the angle of the word that you want to, you think is most important. But there's nothing in the context of this passage that tells you this is the word that makes the most sense. All of them make equal amount of sense. And so when you make a translation in English, they're kind of just picking the one they think at the time. But I think what's so cool about this word is that it's all those things. It's all those things at once. It's not just one of those things. It's all of those. It's he is the advocate. The advocate brings the idea of an advocate will fight for you. God is saying, I, he, I will send someone who will fight for you. A counselor is someone saying, I will guide you through this. I will fight for you. I will guide you through this. A helper is someone who's saying, I will shoulder the weight with you. Like, I'm, I'm in this with you. And a companion is, is someone who will be there with you no matter what. And so God uses a word. He's saying, it's all those things. All those things together. If we could come up with a new word in English that included all four, that's the word he's using here. It's all those things. But notice, he says, I'll send you another paraclete. I'll send you another advocate, helper, companion, you know, all those words combined. I'll send you another one. When he says another, he's saying, I'll send you one of the same kind as the other one. Okay, so when he says another paraclete, he's not saying like a different thing is coming. He's saying another one of the same kind, which is like, oh, wait, wait, what is he saying? So the father will send you another paraclete. What does that mean? He's saying Jesus was a paraclete. Jesus is an advocate. Jesus is a helper. Jesus is a companion. Jesus is a counselor. He's, he had just done that with his disciples. And he's saying the father will send you another one like me. What he's saying is he'll continue the work that I've been doing with you guys. The Holy Spirit will be now the way that God is continuing this work in you and through you. And this is super important (laughs) because maybe you're like me and sometimes I think, man, if I could have just lived in like, you know, 28 AD and just like walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus, like physically, like been one of those disciples, then I feel like that would have just made everything so much easier in my life. 
Well, I'm just not so sure about that. And what I know is that because God sent the Holy Spirit, he's saying he's still doing that work today. So you're not, you're not missing out on something that God was doing and no longer is doing in this specific way. He was advocating, he's still advocating. He was counseling, he's still counseling. He was helping, he's still helping. He's doing all the things Jesus did, he's now doing it for us. And he's doing it this time where he lives in us. So there's nowhere you can now go where he's not. Whereas with Jesus, there were actual places where Jesus was and places where he wasn't. Now the paraclete is in us. And he's saying, wherever you go, like I'm there. And I'm there and I'm ready to do what I do. Because that would mean that's, that's his job. He's, he's the new paraclete. He's another paraclete. So you have everything you need in the Holy Spirit. You're not living a life in God now, 2,000 years later, where it's like, oh, here's a B version of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. No, he's saying you have it all. Like, it's right here, but you have to be open to it. You have to look for it. You have to be ready to receive it in the same way that there were people who were around Jesus but didn't receive Jesus. The Holy Spirit's available. He's around, but you have to receive it. You, you can behold it and miss out on the whole thing if you don't open your heart to this work. Then, uh, last thing in the passage, uh, jumping back in in verse 22, then Judas, who's not like the bad guy Judas, that's why John spe- specifies, he's like, not Judas Iscariot, a different guy named Judas, uh, tough name, uh, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? He's asking for a little bit of clarification. Then Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And we will come, why does he say we? Because he's, he's with the Father, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You will see Trinitarian language like all through this passage. You see them together, working together. We will do this. We will come to them and make our home with them. What is that a reference to? It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now, by this point, I don't know if you're picking up on it. It just feels like Jesus is saying like the same thing over and over again. Why is he doing that? When you repeat inside of a teaching context, that's to add emphasis. This is Jesus increasing the volume so that, you know, as, as I'm trying to be faithful to the text and I'm saying this is really, really important. That's how we know. He keeps saying it over and over again. You will not be able to obey me unless you have this advocate. And that's where he goes to next again. Verse 25. All this I have spoken while I'm with you, but the advocate, and if you wanted to argue that the spirit of truth wasn't the Holy Spirit here, Jesus, just make sure we know who we're talking about here, okay? But the advocate, paraclete, again, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here's the other thing that the Holy Spirit does. He he teaches you all things. And he reminds you of everything that God has said. That's our last point. The Holy Spirit is everything we need. (laughs) I didn't know how else to say this. It's like, that's it right there. That's how you're going to live the Christian life. He becomes your teacher. He's going to teach you all things. And he's going to remind you of everything that God said. I'd like to go through those two things in reverse order. So let's start with this idea of him reminding you of everything that Jesus said. So there specifically with disciples, he's talking about the things that Jesus had taught them. Over the past few years, as he was their teacher, they were the students. He's saying, I will remind you of that. But then when you zoom out to the bigger picture 
of the revelation of God. Jesus is the word of God. He's a word who becomes flesh. The full revelation of God is revealed in Jesus. And so anything that God has said, the Holy Spirit reminds us of that too. Now here's the thing. In order for God to remind you about something, you need to have already known it somewhere. Okay? <laughs> a reminder is not the same thing as teaching you. We'll get to that here in a second. But the reminder means you need to know what God said, and then the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of it. And it just so happens that it's also the work of the Spirit that he inspired all the things that God said. That he's the God who's speaking. He's the one who says it. And so this is why, you know, when you grow up in the church and they're like, read your Bible, pray every day. Like all these things, you're like, oh, that just seems so simple. It's like, yeah, but it's so important. Like if you don't know the things, then what is he going to remind you of? He's, he, there's nothing to pull from. That's why you have to find the time and say, I want to know the things God said. And, and I get it. Look, this is a big book. And sometimes you're like, where do I even start? Like, I just flipped open. Second Chronicles, like, what is happening here? And like, there, it's not the easiest book necessarily. Just say like, here we go. Like, I'm going to dive in. And so I thought maybe for a, a challenge for some of you, um, a challenge I'm going to do with you if you want to join me. I thought, what if from June 1st to July 1st, there's 31 days, and we committed to reading one chapter from the book of Proverbs each day until we get to July 1, and we do it specifically for this purpose. We say, I want to know what, what the wisdom is that God has for me, and then just like read the chapter, and then write down like two or three thoughts in your phone, paper, pen and paper, however you like doing that. Just write those two or three thoughts, and that's it, and then we move on day two, three, all the way through day 31, and it there are so many awesome things that will happen during those 31 days, yes. But I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. Maybe 12 months from now, something's going to jump in your mind from, this, from doing that challenge. And the wisdom is going to be brought back to your mind in a very specific moment where you're going to be able to apply it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he reminds you of the things that God has said. And so maybe uh, something like that you've never done. And I'll just challenge you guys. Like if, if you've never done anything like that, like, yeah, I'm going to try to do something every day. One chapter, it, it'll only take you a few minutes. Do it with me. I have it on my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen unless my phone dies. And then I guess I'll forget to read the chapter that day. No, I'm just kidding. But um, put it on your calendar. Like commit to that. Because the more you experience what God has said, then the more you're going to see the reminders start coming. This is, he will remind you of the things that God has said. That's one thing he says. And then the second thing is that he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. This is such an amazing phrase that he says all things. Because this is now Jesus showing us that the Holy Spirit teaches us things wider. Okay, it's, it's not just the things that Jesus has said. He's, he's going to remind them of that, but he's going to now take the place of teacher. Just like when the disciples are with Jesus, Jesus is a teacher. Now the Holy Spirit's going to take that role of being our teacher, and he's going to teach us all things. So yes, he will teach us the things that he has said, but he's also now the one teaching you how to make it through life on the things that aren't specifically like directly talked about in the scriptures. This is the part where you now enter into the space of walking in the spirit. Now, I need to be very clear about what I, I'm saying. The guidance of the Holy Spirit should not lead you to new revelation in the sense that like, okay, he's going to teach me all things. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about, you know, needing a second Jesus, but now the Holy Spirit has told me that we need Jesus 2.0. And so you need to believe in Jesus and you need to also believe in me or you need to believe in this person or something else for it to work. 
That is not the work of the Holy Spirit. He will not deny himself. He's the one who inspired this book already. What the Holy Spirit does when he teaches you all things, it's like, it's like having a mentor or, or someone you're a, an apprentice to. They will teach you the information, but then they go the next step and they show you how to use that information. This is what the Holy Spirit does. You, you learn the information. What's the way of Jesus supposed to be? I learn the information, and then he's the one who's, who says, and here's how you actually do that. If you invite him, he will not give you new revelation, but he will give you specific application. That's what he does. And so sometimes we get into this space of like, I have this new revelation. Well, it, it's not really new. It comes straight from here and it cannot contradict anything that he's already said. But can it be new for you in that moment? Yes. A new way of applying the truth of God's word? Yes. And this is what he does. He teaches you. He's like that mentor. He's, he's coming alongside of you and you're saying, I know God says this. I know God says this. What should I do here right now? He's the one who says, let's do this. He will guide you. He will guide you in the truth. He's the spirit of truth. This is why this topic is so important. Because as a pastor, and I'm trying to lead you guys and teach you the way of Jesus, it's like, I, you can't, none of us can make this happen. That's something that's only empowered through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need to seek him. Um, you know, uh, there's this really awesome thing that we do here at New Life Church. It's called Alpha. And I don't know if you've heard about this. We do it here at New Life North. I know New Life Downtown also does it. Alpha is a place where um, if people are kind of like, you know, when you come to church, it's, it's very obvious, like everyone's buying into the message of the gospel. Um, and they're like, okay, these people believe in God. But there are other people who want to come and just, they're, they're not quite there yet. And that's what Alpha's for is it's a place to ask questions about God and then kind of go through the process of deciding, do I even believe this? Um, and do I want to uh, like acknowledge God as who, who he says he is? And that's what Alpha's for. And, and it's an amazing place because, because it's so open-ended. Like It's not a thing where they're going to force you to believe anything. It's actually really a healthy place where you hear what the Bible says about God. But you're at tables with people who may or may not believe in God. And there are people who go through the program and they make their choice at the end. They say, I do not believe this. Like, I, I reject it. I don't, like, not everyone's going to say yes to it. But there are many people who also go through it. And because they come with open hands, then the work of God starts happening in their hearts. And one of the things that, so it's like, I don't know how many weeks. It's like, I think 8 or 12 or something like that. It's a certain amount of weeks where you come every week and you kind of hit a different topic. And one of the things that, that they do is they'll spend a whole week on the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus is kind of introducing what the work of the Spirit is, we'll have that on a specific week. And I called a couple pastors today just kind of asking, like, what, what things happen on those weeks? And I called two different pastors, and yet there was a theme of something happening on those weeks. And the theme was there were people who um, had said that they're, like, out on this idea of God. They're, they're not going to believe in God. They weren't even just, like, not you know, not necessarily like agnostic. It was like full-blown antagonistic. Like, I, I will not believe. I don't believe in any of this. They were only a part of Alpha because someone had like forced them to, uh, another, you know, parent or girlfriend. And yet, as they were antagonistic, they get to this week of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you that there were three stories that have happened here in this church of people who said, no, I do not believe. I reject this. And then when they hear what the work of the Spirit is, the the invitation at the end of that week is saying, for whoever is willing, would you just pray a prayer and say, Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're real, like I'm inviting you to come. 
and that's a challenge. And when people pray that, again, I heard three stories today that this has happened like in our house in the last year where people who were super antagonistic to everything about God, they prayed that simple prayer. They opened their, their hearts and said, okay, if you're real, like, come Holy Spirit, I invite your work in me. And three stories of just life change, radical life change in that moment. Radical life change, why? Because the Holy Spirit, another thing that he does is he testifies about the Son. If you want to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit's a part of this process. He's the one who's saying, hey, it's Jesus, it's real. And there are people who, they had driven, you know, they, when they do this talk on the Holy Spirit, it tends to be like off-site, it's kind of like the day retreat, or sometimes people do overnight things. And there was, there's people driving back from Woodland Park, and in the drive, it's like, that's where they knew. I, I know God now because the Holy Spirit has testified about Jesus and they give their hearts to God right then and there. So we can't, we can't diminish what it is that, that can happen and you cannot continue in your walk with God as you're seeking after him. If you're following in the way of Jesus, you need to seek that the Holy Spirit would empower your obedience, that the Holy Spirit would continue the work of Jesus here even 2,000 years after he lived. And that the Holy Spirit would be everything that you need, that he would remind you of the things you need reminding of that he would teach you what you need to be taught. So for tonight, this is where I want to end. And I think it's the perfect place to end this series. We're going to sing together. But before we sing, I want to pray that the work of the Spirit would show up in your life. Maybe you're one of those people that you're like, this has just been kind of a topic that's, that's like off limits for me. I hope tonight that would start to change in your heart. And that maybe where we could just get to is we, we don't have anything specific we're asking. We're just saying... Holy Spirit, like, come. Like, we're, we're ready for you. That's why I've talked about it before. When, when you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, but you still need the process of being filled with the Spirit. That's the process where, where God has all of you. <laughs> and, and you can ask for the Spirit to fill you so much that now you overflow with the things of God, and that's where you can actually enter into the place of doing the things that God has asked you to do. And so that's what I want to pray for. That's why every time we sing, like, fall on this place, what we're saying is more, God. We need more because we cannot live the Christian life without the work of the Holy Spirit. So let's stand together. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll worship. Father, right now I pray for those of us who need a shift in our perspective. I pray for those of us who maybe we've been closed and not even aware of what it is that you offer us. Holy Spirit, we want all of you. We want everything that you are. We want everything that you do. So tonight we posture ourselves and we open our hearts and say, would you meet us here? Would you help us? God, there are people in this room who need help right now. And you are the provision for that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach right now. That there are things going on in, in our lives that we don't know exactly how to apply your word. We don't know what we're supposed to do. I pray that you would teach. And for those, those of us that also need reminding of the things that you've already said, we open our hearts to those reminders, God. We accept this challenge maybe, and we're going to step into the book of Proverbs and say, what are you saying here, God? And I just pray that for each person who's going to step into that, that you would meet them there, that they would sense your presence all through this 31 days of just reading a 
chapter day, God, would you meet us there? We have everything we need in you, Holy Spirit. We can live this life that you've called us to live because you are the provision for that. And so we embrace it, we open our hearts to it, and we ask that you would meet us here. Pray in this, in the name of Jesus, amen.